And I believe we're live. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Podcast at Ground Zero, episode 35, The Bad and the Ugly Apocalypse Movie. I am Jared, the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace, and joining uh, me tonight is our usual gang, is um, Adam Bomb Glancy, and again, our special guest, uh, well, I don't know how special you are anymore if you come on the show so much, Will. So. <laughs> well, I, it, it may not be special, but it is unique. It is unique. William T. Thrasher, everybody. And, um, so Yay. Hello. Yay. We are going to be talking about, I didn't say good, the bad and the ugly, because we're not talking about the good this week. We are going to be talking about apocalyptic movies, and we're going to be talking about the bad ones, and from some of my research and skim watching on YouTube a lot this last week, there oh yeah, yes, because most of them I would start about, I'd get about, I'd give them about 10-15 minutes just to kind of get the gist of okay, yep, here's another cookie cutter story. Skim through it a little bit, and the you know, and did that a lot because there's a lot of bad ones out there. So we're gonna be talking about that as well as some uh, bad ones that maybe are. Um, Guilty pleasures, like it's, oh, it's yeah. you know it, but you love it. And so. we've we've already hit on a lot of these bad ones. We've tried to warn you not to see them. To to, to if, if nothing else, just save the time. Time you will never ever ever get back. You oh know? yeah, no, you'll 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 never get that back. Yeah. So some of them we're just going to mention because we've talked about them before, and we won't get the detail because we've already talked about them in nauseum. And what's the first one that comes to mind, everybody? Oh, Zardoz. No. no. No, we haven't talked about that, but we're gonna, but you know, but we've talked about because he does a lot of terrible apocalypse movies. Yeah. Who is it? I, I really think that of the of the two terrible apocalypse movies he's responsible for, I really think Postman is worse than Waterworld. They're they're both terrible. Oh yeah. I really think the postman is actually worse. Yeah. Because there is almost nothing in postman that's remotely imaginative. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll circle back to that in just a second. Because uh, yes, I knew, uh, but um, uh, in the news, I don't really got a whole lot this week. I mean, I've seen a lot of little stuff out there. Um, I've seen a couple things on. Uh, uh, Quiet Earth. There's a couple of like. There's this short film out there. I'll, I'll have to find these and get them posted up on the YouTube channel. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm gonna have to. They'll have to look because I brought it up and I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, don't you hate when I do that? Yes. <laughs> uh, the Quiet Earth. It's it's a little short film called. He posted it recently. I'm trying to dig it up right now. And I can't find it, but if I, if I again, I'll find it. I'll, I'll post it. It was a little post-apocalyptic film. Uh, Phoenix Nine was one of them, and there's there's another there's another one out there. I can't quite remember what it is, but there's some little things I've seen. Uh, the only thing I have that's really of interest is I mentioned it before. There's a new game uh, coming out called uh, of, uh, the Seventy Seven uh, Lost Worlds, and uh, it came out, and it is. A traditional box set they put out there, you know. Well, that's expensive. 
It wasn't too bad, and they had the. Well, no, I mean, as someone who's published a game that came in a box, the most expensive part was the damn box. Is the box? Oh yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's murderous for publishers to put out a box set. Oh yeah, it, very. That's right. You have you've experienced that firsthand. Yes. And, uh, and your ba your basement attests to that. But yes. Uh, so. <laughs> So, 77, uh, The Lost Worlds, uh, again, it, and it's done by uh, James Ward and Stephen A. Lee. Uh, box set, I got the basic set. They had a good deal for the first time it came out, so I got it for uh, a little bit cheaper. But it comes with uh, the basic rule set, and it comes with one of the domes. Uh, I believe it is the Egyptian dome. There's like three domes. Uh, the basic premise of it was... A uh, man inhabited 77 worlds. There was this alien apocalypse that destroyed everything. They had these AI intelligent battleships which defeated them. And like the only like one of the only bashes of humanity left is on these three domed entertainment. It's kind of like Westworld. And basically, you try to get out of it, and you can go to the Earth, the apocalyptic Earth. So uh, I haven't really had a chance to dig into it, but it, you know, comes with the adventure. Comes with. Uh, a bunch. Of, it comes with character sheets. It comes with uh, maps of the domes. So it's got it's got a, it's got a lot going on with it. And it looks like the the printing might have been done by um, like a drive-through type RPG kind of print on demand. You know, so it's not you know uh, it's not bad quality. It's decent quality. It's you know it's, it's you know print on demand stuff, but it's good. You know, so and it has a unique uh, playing uh, mechanic. Everything's done with with like playing cards, so, you know, all the everything is determined by playing cards. And I know that's not new. There's some other systems out there that do that. Uh, Will, can you name off one of them? I can't think of any off the top of my head. This is the systems that do what? Are they? Uh, the mechanics. Distortion uh, of mind. Uh, no dice. It's all done with playing cards. I know there's some games out there to do that. Right? Okay. Uh, amber diceless. Uh, there's a, a, a diceless variant of fate. There's a diceless uh, variant of omni system. Okay. Or unit system. Unit system. So it doesn't use it just uses playing cards. So it looks interesting. I haven't had a chance. I haven't had a chance to go through it yet, but uh, I will. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention that came out. And that's all I really have this week. Uh, for but I was just it was just cool to get a nice big hey, post-apocalyptic box set. It was all shrink wrap. I was all happy to open it. It was kind of like it almost had that same feeling like when I was opening up early editions of the Gamma World game back in like the 80s. You know, back when they were when they were new. So. When most of these films we're going to talk about came from, there's yes. a lot of there's a lot of films from the 1980s. Yeah. Oh yeah, 80s, 70s, as usual. So, um, unless did you have anything? Unless you have anything else to add, Scott? To any kind of in the news, and now we'll just jump right into talking about uh, that. The, the only thing I can think of that's even close uh, is um, there is a, a reboot going on right now on <clears throat> on uh, Kickstarter. For the paranoia role-playing game, yes, they've yes. already they've already made their funding goals. They started with thirty thousand pounds. They're at one hundred and thirty-two thousand, and they're only halfway through their fundraising period. Now, uh, technically, um, you know, uh, uh, paranoia has one foot in the post-apocalyptic world, because it is a post-apocalyptic setting, but it's also got another foot in the dystopian world, because it's a dystopia, uh, heavily influenced by things like Logan's Run, and frankly, Zardoz, in some ways. Um, so, uh, it um, uh, it's certainly out there, and uh, we'll be seeing more of it, um, you know, 
uh, in the coming months. Uh, apparently, it has been has been released and re-released over the years a fair number of times. It's been passed around um, as a property. I've read it. Uh, I've never got the I never got to play it. Um, but uh, friend, those friends who have said that you know it's it's really entertaining. Where you just it, it's the only game you get killed more than Call of Cthulhu. Or you just—it's just all about dying in the most humiliating and horrible ways possible, over and over and over again. I—I I have run it several times. Uh, it is always a treat. Okay. From what I've um, and I've heard this theorized that basically I've heard that it's—it's it's been theorized that the world of paranoia kind of sits, takes place in the world. It's basically this. This, it, it's this installation that's set in this post-apocalyptic world, so people are like, oh, you could set it in Gamma World if you wanted to, I've heard. Oh, yeah, and, and it, would, it would make perfect sense as a mad AI running a facility and breaking down and just going bananas. Uh, yeah, it would completely make sense as a Gamma World setting. You know? <laughs> um, that would be, yeah, you could run that almost seamlessly, you know. All right, so I decided to go with the headphones because it was. Uh, was it treating you right? Not having your ears. Club. I know it's uh, it's bothering me. So, oh, speaking of. Um, Bless you. Hey, uh, thank you. Speaking of, uh, I was that was supposed to be a mute, but uh, sorry, folks. Um, there was another Kickstarter. I, I just when you said Kickstarter, uh, there is a uh, legacy, a life among the ruins. World rebuilding role playing. It's a some kind of post-apocalyptic um, Kickstarter for you know uh, influenced by things like Fallout, uh, Stalker, uh, Cannondale for Leibowitz, Mad Max. Um, so it's uh, I've I've had a chance to look at it in detail, but uh, but it's out there. It's called again uh, Legacy. Mm -hmm. Life among the ruins. <laughs> so I'm bless you. Uh, uh, check that. I guess I'm not. I guess I'm not on the um, headphones there. So yes, I'm being really gross, folks. Uh, apologize for that. <laughs> oh, what else? What else is? Don't don't, don't worry. Your 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 belching is going to be the uh, the least unappetizing thing we we deal with on this show. Yes. It, it's just a radiation sickness. It is. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a bad canned food, you know. So <laughs> if. Uh, oh, if, you know what? I, I, I and I'm, I've got one that's just new that turned up on Netflix. It may be, it may very quickly fall into the worst of because I've only seen a couple of episodes. But there's this show called The One Hundred. Have you heard about it? Uh, no, heard about it, never seen it. Okay, so it's on Netflix right now. It is so young adult. Um, it's it's a little nauseating. You know what I mean? It's got like every... like like the um the Australian Potters. It's like you know, yeah. It's got the same problems that that was it ever since the war began. Okay, yeah. You know, uh, where it's just a whole bunch of way too attractive young people being retards under trying circumstances, and you're sort of you know. But the basic idea behind it is that there's been a nuclear war. Supposedly, Earth is uh, is too radioactive to live on. There are uh, a bunch of uh, government orbital space facilities, and like the wars like 2060, 2070 or something like that, um, have banded together to preserve some nucleus of human civilization in orbit. 
Well, which means that everything's recycled and, you know, um, uh, there's, you know, no resources to be had up there and everyone lives in horrible poverty and you can't have more than one child and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but um, they're, uh, they're suddenly decide one day to jerk all these, uh, in fact, there's such population pressures, every crime on the space station that is committed, uh, that's committed above the age of majority after you're 18, once you're 18, I should say, every crime is punishable by death. Uh, they just space you, poof, out the airlock you go, and um, which I thought was a terrible idea if you're trying to recycle everything. But look at all that protein shooting out into space. <laughs> they even they even throw them out the ship. They even throw them out of the ship wearing their clothes. I'm like, there's got to be somebody else with a size 12 boot around here. <laughs> but uh, basically, uh, one day they take all the juvenile delinquents who are actually in the only thing that resembles a prison, stuff them on board a dropship, and pow, shoot them down to the earth. And um, it turns out that they uh, they need some guinea pigs to see if they can get back to Earth, uh, because as the story starts to develop, um, something's gone wrong, and the Ark is going to poop out and run out of life support in four months, not a hundred years. Um, so that's problem number one. Problem number two is uh, even if they decide they want to evacuate, they only have enough evacuation on the space station to get 700. Oh, seven. 700 of the 10,000 people <laughs> off the spaceship. So it's like you're double plus fucked. And so, you know, they get back to Earth, and it's, uh, it's of course, Earth turns out to be British Columbia, um, and they're, oh, wait, there's actually people living on Earth, like barbarians and so on and so forth. And But, boy, it is all filled with teen angsty angst, you know, and it's... Um, so I don't know. It's the 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 young the young attractive people who were supposed to you know sort of focus our interests. They're like those fucking kids on Revolution. Remember those idiots? Yeah. The, the young kids that the story centered around, and you just wanted to beat their skulls open and turn what was left of their heads into drinking you know utensils, and they were just awful. They made the wrong decision every time. Um, with no sign that they were ever going to get any smarter, and yet somehow they never seem to pay the price. Yeah, they're like that, except it's like an entire cast of those people. I'm not sure I can recommend this. I just know it exists, uh, and it is out there. Um, so that's the end of the new apocalypses that I'm aware of. This might fall into the into the ugly. Oh, yeah. They're so, they're so pretty, it's ugly. All right, okay, so now back to where we left off. Yeah, The Postman. There's nothing redeeming about that film. We've talked about it in detail. Uh, the Postman, you know, compared, you know, there's The Postman and Waterworld, the two, the Kevin Costner trifecta of, yes, I have them on Blu-ray, trifecta. Why, why do you, why do you refer to it as a trifecta? It's a bifecta, right? Or is there a third Kevin Costner? Oh, a trifecta, bi, whatever, yeah. There um, could be one in development. Oh, that, you got you you got land and sea. He could be doing a post-apocalyptic movie set in the air. Uh, Will may Will's the thing yeah. that's scary is Will may just be right. <laughs> I, I'm gonna hope that it's already happened that it was Oblivion, and they they made it into a Tom Cruise product rather than a Kevin Costner product. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit! I, yeah, so folks, if you haven't seen The Postman, you're really not missing anything. Yeah, I mean, read the book. Be happy. Yeah. Read one of the best books ever. Don't look at the movie. Even Waterworld is better, and Waterworld is terrible. Yes, this movie right here is ter <laughs> terrible. Right here, this 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 one right here. Okay, 
there's two good things. There's only two good things about this movie. Okay. Alright. Number one, there's the one scene again. Okay, spoiler alert, people. Okay, because it's uh, anyway. Don't see it. You know, just go to this. Go to those scenes. There's a scene where the guy's sitting in the tanker at the bottom, and the freaking the the flare goes all the way down to hit the thing of oil because the guy's been sitting in this old guy's been sitting in this oil checking the level for who knows how long decades maybe. He's got and, this giant mangy beard. He's he's like almost transparent. Yeah. And he just just the line of when he when he sees the torch falling down, it's going to hit the oil and explode and kill him. His his only thing he says is when he sees it, he goes, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah. that line is perfect. The, that is like the best line in the movie. The second best line is when they're on the big boat, you know, the big uh, tanker. The Valdez. The Valdez, of course. Valdez, because the Exxon Valdez. Yeah. Uh, you know, the he's giving the big speech, and they see Kevin compete to four hundred one, and of course they all go run around crazy because he's causing mayhem, and then. Um, the uh, the deacon. That's right. His name was the deacon, which is uh um Dennis Hopper. Dennis, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. Just turns him playing another raving maniac. <laughs> yeah, I know. He that's, that's that's such that's so unusual for him to to pull those roles off. He just that's turns somebody. He goes, just don't stand there. Kill something. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, and besides that, I gotta say it's also better looking. I mean, the costumes are more imaginative. The the gear, the equipment was more interesting looking than the the very boring, very boring. boring. It was. It was. There, it was, there it is was, a third. Go, go ahead, Will. There is a third good thing to come out of that movie, though, uh, and it's a bit Dana Carvey used to do in his stand-up act, which was <laughs> attempting to explain Waterworld as part of a campaign speech. <laughs> nice. Oh like, my great. God. Yes, please. Where can I find that on YouTube? I will. I, should go I, I don't remember that. the name of the comedy special. It's one he did in like the the late nineties. But there's this whole big, you know, like they have a Mister Coffee contraption. You pass urine. You pass urine through it to make filter drinking water. <laughs> it's just wow. this great bizarre bit. Wow. That, what you got to understand here? Get under the hood. What the fucking? Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot pee to a Mister Coffee and get Taster's Choice. <laughs> Can oh, I finish? So, so it's it's the Ross Pro review of Waterworld. He well, it's, it's Ross Pro explaining Waterworld. Okay. Wow, that's that that's fantastic. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to try make that it down. the most '90s joke of all time. All it needs is a, something about the spin doctors in it. Oh, oh, spin doctors. How about EMF or uh, yeah. Uh. There could have been like maybe a, a Cobain, you know, shotgun decapitation. I guess that would also be very nineties. Yeah. Oh my God. So Waterworld again. Uh, if you had a, if if you were like, uh, if you were being tortured and they gave you a choice between Waterworld and The Postman, choose Waterworld. Yeah. It'll be less painful. Yeah. It's also it's even shorter, even though it's also ridiculously too long. Oh yeah. Wait. wait hold on. It's. Uh... Of course, I don't have my reading glasses, so I can't see. Uh, it is. It doesn't tell me. I was hoping to see. 
how long Waterworld is because, oh, yeah, oh. Uh, The Postman's like three freaking hours. It's way, way, way too long. Yeah, Waterworld runs uh, 135 minutes. Uh, okay, that's only two hours and 15 minutes. And it's like, what, 245 or 247? Oh yeah, it's almost it's, it's practically three hours of postman. It's 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 heinous. So, all right, enough enough about Kevin Costner because again, right. then I'm gonna start going into my Family Guy bit about how uh, um, Chris is walking out of the movie theater and the, and on the marquee it says Kevin Costner, No Way Out, and he's and he's talking to somebody. Somebody goes, How does he still keep on getting work? But <laughs> um... <coughs> all right, so. What uh, what's our next ugly that we'd like to nominate, uh, Mr. Uh, Thrasher? Okay, if we want to if we want to talk uh, ugly, this is a movie. Okay, so do you? I'm sure you guys remember the classic Rowdy Roddy Piper movie, Hell Comes to Frogtown, right? Yes, which is actually uh, is actually so bad it, it almost transcends into art, high art. But th but that's not the movie I want to talk about. I want to talk about the little known sequel. Return to Frogtown, also known as Frogtown 2, starring Robert Zadar, he of the catcher's mitt face. The guy with that ridiculous fucking head from the... Oh, my God. Yeah, from Soul Taker, from uh, uh, Maniac Cop. Yes, Maniac Cop, and um, the one I was going to name was Tango and Cash. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a, I think that's the first time I saw him in a film. Oh, my God. What's up with his head? Do we know? Has he got agromegaly or no? It's just apparently it's just his natural bone structure gives him like it makes it look like the chin of a giant was grafted onto his jawline. <laughs> okay, so uh, I thought you were gonna go with the director's earlier movie, which is something like uh, Rollerblades or something, which is the Solar Babies. No, 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 that's uh -huh. another cross. <laughs> go ahead and give us. Go ahead and give it. I posted a link to some clips. From the rollerblading nuns in a hot tub movie. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, and it's it's apparently directed by the same guy who went on to do. Hell comes to Frogtown. Um, yeah, return, return to Frogtown. I first saw this in like ninety four, ninety five on uh, USA Up All Night with Gilbert Godfrey and Ron Desheer. I don't know if you guys remember that show. Oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Find the weirdest stuff. USA yeah, like, Up All Night. Hello, but no. it's just like I mean, it is overall a rehash of you know Frogtown. There's a Frogtown. A guy gets stranded there, but they add all these so many extra unnecessary flourishes. Uh, Robert Zadar is a member of effectively this like rocket patrol. They wear these knockoff backwards rock uh, rocketeer helmets, uh, <laughs> oh. and like. One of their agents like crashes <laughs> what, near Frogtown, which is why. What happened to the to to um uh, uh what's her name from Conan um and the Bridget Nielsen? Uh, no, no, whatever. That's Red Sonia. The girl who was in Conan, uh, who's in Hell Comes to Frogtown, does the dance of the three snakes and does that horrible scene. You know what I'm talking about? Not Bridget Nielsen. Um, the one who played uh, Conan Squeeze, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whose name I'm escaping me. Uh, Sandal Bergman. What happened uh, to Sandal Bergman and the Insemination Patrol? Or you remember that? that was the the whole, Insemination Patrol. That was the whole point of Frogtown was dragging Roddy Piper around with plastic explosives tied to his Johnson so that they could repopulate the Earth and not let him right. run off and 
you know, spill his seed willy-nilly. So they had a Wow, I can't even believe that's the plot. But yeah, so what happened to the to the pink armored car with the M sixty on the roof? Well, MedTech. That was it. it wasn't the seventies? Was MedTech? What happened to those guys? They just write those guys out of the script? Yeah, I mean exist? the only thing like I, the only thing they've got in this movie are the giant frogs who want to repopulate. Like that's really the only connective tissue. Wow. Like I. I can only imagine that this like they just had a script for like a movie with rocket pack guys and mutants and somehow got the frog town rights and decided to sort of gr try to spin it into a sequel. Wow. But they go into like a more detailed I remember they give the the frogs a more detailed origin story. They're like the creation of a mad scientist who was trying to create a, a an organism that could survive the end of the world. Uh but there what dates this, aside from the special effects and the actors, what really dates the movie is that in the middle of it, there's like this frog saloon. In the middle of it, there's just a four-minute music video of a frog rock star singing a song about how he's better than the Ninja Turtles. Oh, wow. Yeah. Call, uh, the song called, like, Meaner and Greener, I think is the name of that song. Wow. Wow, Bill. Yeah. I, I, I second uh, Scott's uh, uh, white flag. Please, stop. No. no, no, no. <laughs> God. Wow. Uh, is there breakdancing? Regrettably, no. There is no breakdancing to send it all the way over the top. Oh that, that, that would make it absolutely perfect if it did that. But, wow. Uh, that's, that's pretty horrible. That's that's pretty horrible. I've I've heard about it, but I haven't heard about that much detail, and it's that's that I think that's bad and ugly. I think I think that qualifies as both. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have to throw out one that is one of my least favorite uh, post-apocalyptic movies, uh, a film I I absolutely hate. Just about everything about it. Uh, um, I, I think I know what you're gonna say. Doomsday. You mean? This film right here? Yeah. Oh. Doomsday. I absolutely hate everything about that movie. Um, it is... Uh, I, I really liked Dog Soldiers. I liked The Descent. Uh, both films made by the same production team. But holy shit, Doomsday is fucking worthless. Um it, it's, it, it's, it's pretty bad, but, uh, but this, is, this, one, this one's kind of a guilty pleasure for me. Alright, I... I, I I, there's all kinds of, I think I've, I'm sure I've gone on about how awful this film is before, so I won't uh, go back over the details. But the, Well, some of them, I mean, give, give us a, I, a brief snapshot. My big problem, my biggest problem with this thing, I guess, is the utterly and completely uninspired action sequences. It's not just that they go to Edinburgh in the walled-off section of the British Isles that's been wiped out by the plague uh, to, to retrieve a, a sample of somebody who survived the plague. Not only that, they go, okay, they go up there, and of course the place is overrun with the fucking cast from Road Warrior. Because, again, <laughs> every time there's an apocalypse, the only thing that survives is all the punk rise torrid, apparently. Torrid well, no, they, no the, the only thing that survives in the apocalypse is buttless leather chaps. You yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> All the fetish well, to be, to be fair, all chaps are buttless. Yeah, I know what I think we've had this discussion before, but I like I just like saying buttless. Yeah. So and 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 because it's all white Scottish guys, it's 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 even more buttless 
than, you know, it would have been if perhaps there had been some Jamaicans or Nigerians involved. Um, it's awful. It's all these pasty punkers uh, in the ruins of Edinburgh. And, of course, they're cannibals. And, of course, they've got mohawks and tattoos. Apparently, tattoo technology didn't go away. And If um, anything, it got better. Yeah, and then, yeah exactly. And, and then when they attack the heavily armed government troops and their armored personnel carriers, the first thing they do is just run right at the guns. Just run right at the guns and get mowed down in the, in the tens of thousands. They have no tactics. It's not like they have been living in the ruins and fighting in the ruins for, what, like 15 to 20 years and so they can hone their skills. Apparently, they don't have any skills. They just run right at the problem and then get shot dead and are apparently completely undeterred by the fact that they're getting shot dead. Not because they're <laughs> zombies or anything, just because, fuck, the guy directing the action sequence was so goddamn uninspired he couldn't come up with anything else. And then, once, right, once these guys have all just run at the guns and got it mowed down, cut to... Uh, you know, government guys get in their armored personnel carrier with this little tiny window, this little tiny, apparently made out of sugar glass window in the armored personnel carrier. That uh, suddenly these fucking punkers are shooting their cross window. I'm like, and, and killing the driver. Like, why don't you guys just snipe the goddamn guys in the in the in the chem warfare suits from the shadows? And that's the end of it, right? I mean, why did, oh, well, we don't usually bring out the big guns until they've got in a tank, and then, you know, then we'll use a crossbow. It's just so unbelievably uninspired. Um, you know, it, it's, it's and, and the guy who turns up as the leader of the punk rock crew is so devoid of anything remotely resembling charisma or, you know, uh, leadership skills. He's he's got all of the charisma of a guy DJing at a strip club, and yet all <laughs> these fucking guys are willing to just spend their lives. Candy, candy to the oh stand. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and the action uninspired. Everything is a ripoff from another movie, essentially. You know, oh. oh, look, there's the uh, Road Warrior homage. Oh, there's the, um, you know, uh, homage to Ex John Borman's Excalibur. Oh, what? There's the uh, part we're supposed to remember 28 days later. Fuck, it's, it's just one of the most worthlessly grafted together atrocities I've ever seen. And it's a huge budget. And, you know, it's a big budget movie, and it's just awful. Well, I've, I've also heard that the movie makes a lot of terrible, ironic, but not really ironic use of music from uh, the fine young cannibals. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so, you know, so, Scott, with, with this surmise, your feeling of uh, uh, doomsday? Yeah, hold this on. sums up doomsday. Wait, 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 did this sum it up? Wait, hold it. Yeah, I'm just sorry I watched it once, and I'll never get those 90 minutes back. It really, it was really awful for me. Um, okay, so that's bad. Moving on, uh, let's. Uh, I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna touch. I'm gonna touch briefly on something that we've talked about before. Deflands, Homeward Bound by Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, I don't need. <laughs> you really don't need it. It's it's so awful. God, it it 
It's like nobody's trying. It's bad. <laughs> nobody's it's bad. trying in this movie. It is so... I was excited that it was coming out, uh, and then when I saw it, I was like, I wish they wouldn't have done it. Okay, well, <laughs> It is that bad. If you're a Deathlands fan, it is a kick in the balls. Yeah. It's like they went out of their way to make it as awful for you as possible. Oh, it's 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 heinous, you know. And like, wait, look, look, look. Let's see here. Can I do it again? Look, I look. I'm the main character. I got an eye patch. That's about the only similarity he had. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan Cador. Thank you, thank you, everybody. But yeah, it's yeah. Sci-fi Sci-Fi uh, Channel presents Death uh, Deathlands Homeward Bound with Tracy Lords is in it. So yeah, this this is a stinker. It's do and not even waste your fucking time. Uh, so that's a brief one. Um, let me talk about another. This thing isn't staying on my face very well. Um, <laughs> let me uh, uh, yeah, mix that, okay? You can use that spirit gum to keep your prosthetics on. I know. Uh, well, I could go with this. You know, when we were talking about Frogtown, I should have done that. You know, but um, oh, Waterworld. Water Waterworld. Yeah. Look. <laughs> um, He's a mutant. A mutant. Mutant. There. Okay. There is. Here. I'm gonna talk about both of them because I have it. Here is a Roger Corman double feature. Death Sport and Battle Truck. Okay. I posted the trailer to both of those on the event page. Okay. David Carradine is in Death Sport. Oh my God! This thing again. These things. These things came out in the '70s, folks. These are like uh, I think Death Sport was '70, 70, '78. Battle Truck was actually '82. I'm sorry, uh, yes, but Battle Death Truck, Sport. Battle Truck's heavily influenced by Road Warrior. Oh, absolutely. But Death Not Sport. The, yeah. You are condemned to Death Sport. It's the the trailer is hilarious. Talking about the Death Machines. With lasers and ray guns, it's it's it is so bad. The death machines that are going to be used to take over the the post-apocalypse. What are what are the death machines, Jared? Oh, they're dirt bikes that make awful sounds. <laughs> they're dirt bikes with like big extra pieces of plastic on them, and they and they're using all these ex, these uh, special effects. That like one of them they use is they use the sound from I don't from like you know the Tie Fighter the sound you know the they use the Tie Fighter sound and they also have this other sound that's this high pitched you know if you if you hear it you'll know what I'm talking about it's very canned standard sound effect yeah, yeah. like the seventies like it's like high like every time the motors every motors it's not just when the motorcycles pass. Every single motorcycle, because they pass by you a lot. Yeah, apparently all, all the budget went towards having motorcycles drive by the camera, because they yeah. do it 800 fucking times. Constantly driving in front of you. And then David, you know, you know, as much as we all like David Carradine, it's like, you know, I, don't, I didn't need to see all these upshots of him in a loincloth, number one. Oh, okay. yeah, every chance they get to shoot, shoot David Carradine, Um, it's the same cliff. Yeah. You know, it's the same cliff that the Gorn fought Kirk, but every time 
carrying jumps. It's these upshots looking up his loincloth. So you're seeing his junk fly overhead right. over oh. and over. Well, he well, he was the ranger because, you know, it's, you know, a thousand years after the apocalypse in the cities and there's, uh, oh, I'll, I'll, let me, I'll tell you about the cannibal mutants in just a second, okay? It's, um, it's, uh, so David Carradine is one of the rangers that, like, I guess they roam around and get people around. They have, their weapon is a Gig, ginormous, oversized, you know, plexiglass. Plex, not, no, not even plexiglass. It's just like plastic. It's like you know, some kind of like plex. Not even plexiglass. Well, plexiglass is plastic, isn't it? Yes, yes. That is an acrylic polymer. Yes. It's like an acrylic, giant acrylic sword. Like it's like bigger than him with this giant red. Uh, what is that called? The tang? Not the tang. The uh, the hill. Um, yeah, the hill. Yeah, that's right. Pommel the guard? The, the, the what? Pommel guard? Yeah, the pommel guard. You know, like, the, the, this, the piece that goes through, you know, it's gigantic, as big as his head in red, and then the sword is clear, uh, like, plexiglass. It's ridiculous, and it makes, like, lightsaber sounds. It's awful. And, he, and, and you, know, you know what his, uh, his ray gun, disintegration gun looks like? It's like, it looks like uh, they took, like, a paint bucket. <laughs> it, look, it looks like, it looks like, because it has, like, it's like, a cylinder with a handle, so it looks like a paint bucket with a white on the bottom, yeah. and he disintegrates people when they're in the air. Always when they're in the air. Yeah, everything, everything gets disintegrated in midair. When a guy's jumping or when a motorcycle's jumping, nothing ever gets disintegrated on... On the ground. Always the ground. in the air. You know why? You know why? Because... Stop, because stop it. Because the, their feet were on the ground. And you, all they're doing is just cutting, and that actor gets off. You know, they just they just cut out the frame. You know, yeah. so if if they were on the ground, you'd see dirt kicked up by the bicycle, the motorbike, or their feet. And so everybody has to get disintegrated in mid goddamn air. What the? F oh, it's awful. Yeah, it's it's terrible. It's like so. Like I said, I mean, I got, I think I got this on uh, Amazon, this double feature for like less than ten. I think I might have paid like six dollars for it. So I was like, well, are, are you familiar with the with with Death Sport? I I am. Okay, um, and 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 again, Richard Lynch, you know, who, who what could be better than a you know, and more eighties really than a, a a giant ranger duel between <laughs> Richard Lynch and David Carradine there at the end oh. of the movie. Oh yeah, oh, with yeah. their with their giant uh, floppy plastic swords. Yeah, oh, it's, it's 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 and his acting is oh like when he's in this uh, spoiler alert people when he's in this cell he's like let me go I am no I have no masters it's so oh my it's god horrible yeah. it, I can't. I can't go on enough how bad this film is. Anyway, so that's Death Sport is bad. And then another Richard Corbett film, Battle Truck. Again, a, rip, a New Zealand film. Uh, total ripoff, you know, took a lot from The Road Warrior. It's like a new world where there's, there's after the great, ga the ruins of the world and... Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Great, the great Battle gas wars. Battle right? Truck is definitely, we're out of gasoline, but there at the beginning there's those uh, radio broadcasts and it's like, the authorities are all fighting the food riots in the cities, and everybody out in the countryside is on their own. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's everybody remembers how it was before the fuel ran out. Oh, and let me tell you, oh, 
Do you know uh, interesting interesting thing I saw on the DVD? Uh, do you know how they recorded that intro from him talking? The guy who did it was in California, and they were like somewhere else, like in wherever they were. Auckland. He talked to them over shortwave radio, and they, were, <laughs> and they, they recorded. He, he was actually on a shortwave radio, you know, like a ham radio. And they recorded what was coming off the ham radio to get that effect. That's, you that's know what? A, that's pretty cool. That's actually cool. I gotta tell you, um, I don't think Battle Truck is no near not near. You can't put Battle Truck or Warlords of the 21st Century, which is an ultimate title. You can't put that in the same category as Death Sport. Well, but it's a double feature, sir. So you have, right, to, right, you have right. to talk about. It. But yeah, Battle. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. One more. Going back to Death Sport for two seconds is okay. um, the Cannibal Mutants. So we, we almost, besides, how can we forget? Besides them running around with like leg bones, of course, because they're cannibals. So that's the weapons they're going to use. They're going to be walking around with, like leg bones. Do you know how they're mutants? Besides their raggedy clothes, do you remember? <laughs> as a, do you remember as a child um, at the Five and Dime store? They, oh, Scott, oh, he's cringing because he remembers now. You remember one of these gag things they used to have? They had these. Do you know? The fake, but over your eyes, and there's a hole in the center. Yeah, remember those? All the cannibal mutants were wearing those. So, oh look, they're a mutant. Look at those scary mutant eyes. It's oh, they, they it's literally so... went to the five and dime for their mutant eye effect. Yep, you put it over. You put it over their eye, and you held it in place. You know, by closing your eyes like that, and that was that was their eyes. Those are the cannibal oh. mutants. But wow. uh, yeah, it's bad. So that the one's thing, bad. The things um, David Carradine will do to keep his bong filled. Well, and they also called it Death Sport because this came out after Death Race 2000. So they thought, oh, David Carradine, and there's death in the name, that it might get people into the theater. Because again, remember, folks, 1978. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, it, and then Battle it's Truck. No, it's no Death Race 2000. You know, no, let's no, no, just no. go. <laughs> uh, Battle Truck. It's you know. World meets apocalypse. Uh, guy, guy meets truck. Guy meets you know, rogue independent guy, and it, it's just it's just it's just a bad bad story. But it has uh, two two known actors in it. Uh, number one is everybody's favorite mailman from Cheers, isn't it? John Ratzenberger. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, it is. He has my, one of my favorite lines in the movie where he's working on his radio and he says, "Somebody asks you, Vanilla." Pick up anything. He says, "Well, I got. I tuned in Radio Mecca, mostly prayers. <laughs> just like yeah, yeah. Tuned into Radio Mecca, uh, mostly prayers. Mostly prayers. You know, I was just like, yeah, uh, that's what you'd be getting on Radio Mecca after the apocalypse. Thanks. That's helpful, fellas. Um, yeah. So uh, it's him and uh, who's the other uh, guy again, Scott? Um, oh, I was gonna. Uh, you know, I I totally blanked on uh, the bad guy. That's uh. What's oh, it? the bad guy. Um, that is boom. Nineteen eighty-two battle truck. Uh, that is uh, a guy who's been playing heavy since for fucking ever. It's not James uh, Wainwright, is it? Or I believe that is correct. It's Michael okay. Beck as the Michael. as the hero, and Colonel Straker is James Wainwright, and he's been a heavy forever. Uh, even, you know, you, you, can, you can count on seeing him on the A-Team, uh, uh, on, uh, on that movie uh, with um, Gene, uh, uh, with uh, Robin Williams, The Survivors, with okay. um, 
Walter Matthau and uh, uh, and uh, uh, Robin Williams. Yeah, James Wainwright has been in eight thousand, uh, you know, bad movies over the years. But um, yeah, the big standouts are are, are Michael Beck and uh, and John Ratzenberger. So yeah. it's it's another bad film, folks. Uh, again, it's better than Desport. It's on YouTube if you want to. It has the one redeeming. It has the one redeeming line though that every fucking gamer geek I knew in the 1980s. Oh yes, picked, yes. Picked up because of that one line where Colonel Straker, who's the new battle truck wielding warlord, shoots up the village and then turns to you know turns to his 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 lieutenant and says, "Prepare the men for inventory and acquisition." And he goes, "Yes, sir." Turns around to the next guy down the food chain who's like this. Greebly little sleazy guys like and says, prepare the men for inventory and acquisition. And the guy goes, okay, and they turn loot and they just run off and kick everyone's door in and take their shit. And so, God knows, I had to hear anytime we were playing Dungeons and Dragons, somebody had to had to throw that fucking line out about, oh, let's inventory and acquisition the orcs, you know. And I'm, so yeah, inventory and acquisition. That was the only redeeming uh, thing from from Battle Truck. So we've been hogging it a little bit too much. Wow, Will, I want some more movies from you. All right. Well, yeah, I want to bring up one which uh, it's it's bad, but it's it's a movie that I I find very entertaining because it's so proud of its sheer bizarreness, and that is. Uh, Lost or seen this? No, go. Uh, you froze up, Will. At least oh. for me. Go back. It's a uh, she from 1982. Oh my god! The, oh, I've seen it on the shelves in Scarecrow. I've never dared it's, to pick it's it up. It's really it's so gleefully bizarre. It is so worth seeing. It's just it's a it's it's a post-apocalyptic movie that's also a satire of post-apocalyptic movies. That's also just like this weird gonzo comedy. The uh, the the whole movie takes place. Uh, 23 years after an event that is simply referred to as the cancellation. And uh, the main character is this warrior woman called She, who is passing her uh, her rights of adulthood, which involves going into a cave full of like old animatronic monsters from an amusement park, <laughs> and she has to fight Frankenstein. Well, Frankenstein's a monster. Um... And then she ends up going on a quest because there's this evil warlord that's been conquering provinces and she's like, it's prophesized that she will get the team together that's going to stop him. And it's just like nuts. And, and, and nothing in the movie is ever explained. Like there's this whole civilization of people who all talk like Kevin Pollock who they look <laughs> like mummies. They're all like bandaged up completely except for their faces and every now and then like one of their limbs will fall off. But it's never explained why. Just like one of their arms falls off, and then they'll pick up a new one. There's uh, there's this bridge. There's there's this bridge to get to the warlord's like territory that is guarded by this guy called Xenon, who is this guy with a white afro, white handlebar mustache, uh, uh, Union Civil War, completely accurate Union Civil War cavalry officer's uniform, who every time he's killed, splits into two copies. <laughs> and, and he, like, talks like Bugs Bunny. Like, he just, like, talks like Bugs Bunny and keeps making these weird one-liners. And I think at one point, like, he's been killed so many times, there's eight of them, and they all link arms and start doing a chorus line on the bridge. 
There's, there's, wow. This, this, wow. Like, wow. It's wow. fun. It is. It is. It is. It is bad but beautiful. I, 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 gotta sure is, uh, I don't think this is really the kind of film that we're supposed to be talking about because uh, that sounds like much like um, Six String Samurai. It has transcended how awful it is, and and become something sublime. I, I suppose so, but I guess not a lot of not everyone is ready for she. All right, I'm just saying because there are some films, some of the films that I want to sort of focus on are the ones that are just fucking awful that have just you know have have not given us anything, um, uh, you know that are just that kind of awful. Like speaking of warriors who things are prophesized about, how about fucking uh, Patrick Swayze in Steel Dawn? Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, doing this. I mean, there's nothing in this film that's even remotely original. Uh, it's a. It's 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 it's. Oh no, we're fighting over water in the future. Oh, every everybody's freaking fighting over water in the future. Yeah. yeah. That movie. Uh, Stroker. Exterminator. Year three thousand. Everybody's fighting over fucking water. Yeah. Yeah, world gone wild. We'll get to that one. Um, it's always about water. Um, the, the the costumes are just. There's nobody's trying in this film. It looks like Patrick Swayze lost a bet to get into this film. <laughs> um, and and there's you know, and it's got Anthony Zerbe in it, who's one of my you know. Hey, he's the head mutant in, in Omega Man, so he's got post-apocalyptic chops, right? He, you know, if Anthony Zerby wants to do some more post box that's great. But he's he's worthless and his he has nothing to do. He doesn't even need any scenery to chew. I don't remember much about the film except I was looking at the the trailer this weekend, and there's just this moment where, after apparently having killed everybody who's a threat, Patrick Swayze looks at the the female love interest lead and says. Do you feel safe now? And her response is so bereft of anything like human emotion. Or I mean, she's just like, yes. <laughs> I mean, there's... No, somebody behind Swayze's holding up a word, cue card with one word. Just yes. And she's... Oh, oh my God! It's it's, yeah. Steel Dawn. Now, Jared, have you seen Steel Dawn more recently than I have? No, I haven't seen it, and I don't feel I need to now. Oh my God! <laughs> What's nuts? This came out the same year as Dirty Dancing. <laughs> it yeah. did. Get out of here! It did not. <laughs> it did. Oh, eighty-seven. Oh, um, I'm I'm assuming. Uh, so there was a slump between. Red Dawn and Dirty Dancing, where he got stuck doing Steel Dawn. No, they ca they came out. I I don't know if it sat on a shelf, but they came out. Yeah, they. Both came out in a in a different world. It would be Steel Dawn would be what he'd be remembered for. Oh God. Yeah, well, it, it was probably done. During the height of everybody doing Road Warrior ripoffs, and then like, oh, Patrick Swayze is a hot item. Let's get this out finally. That's probably what happened. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, now speaking of uh, uh, who's let, let, the, 
Let, 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 we'll uh, drop another one. All right. Okay. So well, if we're, if we're talking, that, that was pretty good, sir. If we're talking about the worst of the worst, uh, do you guys remember Robot Monster? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you're going to watch this at all, try to find the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version, because if you see it in any wait, other context... Wait, is that, the, is that the gorilla with the diving helmet? Yes, it's the gorilla with the diving helmet. That's one of the many things that's... It is a post-apocalyptic movie, because it all takes place after this nuclear exchange that's wiped out everyone on the world, except for a handful of survivors living in the mountains, who are then attacked by a robot from space. And yeah, they didn't have the money to... For, to build a full robot suit so they rented a gorilla suit and then like took a diving prop diving helmet and put some antennas on it uh, yeah and like that's a, the like robot a t- like a TV set yeah just TV set aerials and like the posters the posters show this horrible leering skull in that diving helmet, you'll ne- you never see that in the movie. They don't even bother trying to pull off anything cool like that. Uh, his command center is just a cave with the screen hanging on the wall with bubbles. For some reason, bubbles out of a bubble machine are like what <laughs> simulates whatever environment this robot has to stay in. Oh, God, the dialogues. What, 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 what is he fucking SpongeBob? <laughs> if that would have that would have been an improvement and. And what's oh god, and what's awful is there are these scenes where like he uses because he's supposed to be like experimenting on the survivors and testing them to see if they if if their robots are going to conquer the Earth. Although if these are the only survivors, your job's done. You just have to show up, and the Earth is conquered. But there are these scenes where he will talk to like the leader robot, and it's just the exact same costume, but super guy in the same costume footage superimposed on that screen. And they have this horrible, stilted dialogue. What do you mean you feel love? You are a ro-man, not a human. Only humans feel love. <laughs> it's, it's, oh yeah, because he falls in love with the woman that he ends up kidnapping. Of, co- of course, of course he does. <laughs> and and it also has the worst twist ending you can imagine. Mm, let, let's not spoil that, just in case somebody wants to see that. In case some masochist wants to see this movie. Wow. Okay, yeah. Um, that, uh, that is pretty awful. Mr. Wallace, what do you got for us? Uh, well, like I mentioned before, um, I discovered... Uh, I mentioned about the water uh, battle because, again, a lot of these films, you know, I mean, there's contemporary ones that we that we've talked. I mean, well, contemporaries we ever get because people have said, as I've mentioned before, why is everything you guys talk about always so old? Because again, we're old. It's grognard. We're old. The stuff we remember is the stuff from the 70s and 80s. Now, a lot of the stuff that uh, we're talking about are, you know, 80s movies, 70s movies, and a lot of this stuff, especially the 80s stuff, was with the success of Mad Max, uh, the Road Warrior, Mad Max 2, the Road Warrior, everybody was trying to rip off uh, the Road Warrior. Everybody was on motorcycles. Everybody was wearing shoulder pads, and uh, they were wearing like uh, you know desert clothes, like in Steel Dawn. That's like that was in Fighting for Water. It was all all this stuff was just all bad, bad. Bad. The year three thousand. That was a another. I think that was another lovely Spanish uh, Italian uh, make film because it was dubbed, and you could see uh, there was a, there was a so bad. 
it was horrible. It's um, it's again they're battling for water. It's you know, the gang. Uh, what is? It's, it's, it's one. It? What was that? Isn't full player stuck in this movie? Scott. I'm not Who? breaking up. Fred Williamson. Yeah. Isn't he in the LA? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think he plays, uh, you know, the astronaut who's the mechanic. But because uh, everybody's fighting for water, there's Roman gangs in the wasteland. You know, this guy has this car, the Exterminator. There's this gang of bad guys. Uh, I, what do they call him? Uh, shit, I can't remember what they call him now. It's because it was it just it was so bad. But he goes around calling everybody mother grabbers. You mother grabbers, get him and. Like he's um, I, and I, can't, I said I can't remember. I can't remember what his freaking name is, but you know the the main character steals his car, the Exterminator. It's just like this giant American. It might have been like a late model, like Lincoln or something. You know, <laughs> you know, big giant car. It has like metal louvers on the front. You know, when he gets, starts getting shot out, pew, he closes them to deflect the bullets, and this camera comes up. You know, out of the hood, that's not going to get shot off, of course. And he has a camera, so he could drive around with the with the shields up. You know, it's 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 bad. And there's like this one patch of civilization that are trying to get water, and they run across where the water is. This group of guys who resemble the guys from the, beneath the Planet of the Apes who worship the temple, and they're all like scarred with radiation. It's Oh, it's, so they're right. They're right out of. They're right out of beneath the planet of the apes. So. Oh yeah, and then like uh, the guy who's the mechanic used to be an astronaut, and there's of course there's the kid looking for his dad, and he has a, a cybernetic arm, and of course he could fix it. It's just it is so bad. It is really. Well, Fred, Fred Williamson's been in some really shit post-apocalyptic movies, including uh, Warrior of the Lost World. If you ever get a chance oh. on on fucking Mystery Science Theater, do so. Uh, it's kind of has to be seen to be believed, and I think he's in. I think he's in 1990, The Bronx Warriors too. Yeah. So Exterminator of the Year 3000 came out. Came out in 1983. Horrible acting. Again, Road Warrior whip off, rip off stuff. Everything's in the desert. Everybody's fighting for water. And then when I was watching that on YouTube, I discovered another film called Straker 1981. Again, I only got through about 15, 20 minutes of this. Again. Everybody's battling for water again. Everybody's riding around in the desert, you know. And uh, well, there's something that I observed because you know it's like a lot of these cars in these movies. They all have like you know all these bars and roll cages. You think they do it to make yeah. it look cool? No, it's just so they could crash the fucking things and the guys won't die. You yeah. know, there's like no there's no reason for these things to have full roll cages. But then it's like I'm looking at all these cars. I'm like. Like, okay, you guys didn't even. It's like yellow. It doesn't even match the car. It's like you didn't even safety, try. Safety yellow. <laughs> yeah. It was like it was like it didn't even match. It was like okay, at least you could have painted it black to make it like work if we with the car. And anything from the A team is that if you're if you have a roll cage and you're chasing the A team, you're, you're going to use the roll cage. Yeah. I mean that's just what happens. The guy who doesn't have a roll cage is not going to use his roll cage. It's just. That's all. Oh, I yeah. So, like, when I started watching a lot of these films, like, the first thing, after about ten minutes, I'm kind of, I was kind of like this. <laughs> 
it's it's just it's just it's just amazing how something bad these uh, films are. And like I said, you guys could just scour, you just scour YouTube, like look up a couple of these names, like we gave you, like you know, uh, Battle Truck, Exterminator. Is a year three thousand whatever, and you'll see all these other recommendations of all the. It, it's like it'll link and jump you to bad film, to bad film, to bad film. You know, so yeah, uh, yeah that's another couple of bad ones I came ac uh, across. And just to briefly bring it up is um, we talked about transcending bad was uh, we talked about I think we talked about pre-show was uh, sixteen six string samurai. Oh yeah, you know when we've talked we've I think we've we talked about that uh, movie before. We talked about it on the Music in the Apocalypse show, uh, but again, Six String Samurai, it's bad, low production values, but it's just a classic, classic cult film, good soundtrack, the Red Elvis well, the, the guys who made it gave a shit. I mean, that's the difference, is that they yeah. gave a shit, and these other films that we're talking about were things that were cranked out as fast as possible in the 80s to try and to hook onto other other films to try and uh, get on these bandwagons. And Will, do you have anything you want to add to this? Before I, I, I have, I have a couple film. I, I have one film I've got to get to. But look, look, you, you said the Z word. Oh yeah, please. Oh yes, I, I did say the Z, Z word, uh, and that that is Zardoz, a a an insane post-apocalyptic version of The Wizard of Oz starring Sean Connery. In a red codpiece with thigh-high leather boots. Yes, yeah. and if you guys saw the uh, flo the Hot Lava episode of Community and you saw what Starburns was wearing, that wasn't an exaggeration. That is just what Sean Connery That's is exactly wearing. exactly what he's wearing. What's, what's the chant that the, that the, uh, the exterminators... What, what's his tribe called again? Oh Lord! It's like the they're like uh, they're like exterminators. I am you know Zed. I am an exterminator, you know. And then this chant when the giant head comes down from space and throws up all the guns on them. The chant is what the gun is good. The penis is bad. The gun is good. yeah. The, yeah, the gun is good. <laughs> yeah, and it's just and it's just one bizarre, weird for the sake of weird set piece after another. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I, someone needs to find the Pink Floyd album that syncs up to this movie because that's probably the best way to see it. Oh God, and I, and it's not bad enough. It's got Charlotte Rampling in it, who's just one of these people that I can. I have friends think Charlotte Rampling is the hottest thing ever, and I'm just like, wow, she she's like a block of wood. I mean, her emotional range is like mahogany. I don't. I don't think they got direction. I think they were just set up in in the locations and told to cut loose. The the only thing more boring in the apocalypse than Zardoz is Quintet with Paul Newman. That that movie, nothing happens for two hours. It, it's a bad movie because it, it it will absolutely bore the shit out of you. I I, I never got anything out of Quintet. Okay, I just, oh, uh, just so you know, I just posted a picture of uh, Sean Connery's outfit on the uh, you should. Yes. The, the event page is there. It can't be it can't be believed. You have to see it to believe that's fucking James Bond. You know, who again lost a bet like <laughs> I, I, think, I, think, I think he was trying to change his image or something and uh yeah, he, he it worked. To what? He looks yeah, this like, is is divergent like, from Bond as you can get. Yeah, he looks like rough trade. 
He looks. Is <laughs> what he looks like. He's apparently trying to get the Bears interested or something. Well, what do you, wait, what do you what did you say he was, Scott? Rough trade. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yes, folks. I'm experimenting with the sound effects this week. Sorry. I I gotta throw this one out. Uh, as Please. far as terrible movies that are so terrible that you you kind of have to wonder, like, how is this thing even allowed to exist? 1986, Solar Babies. Oh yeah. The uh, oh what is, what is what is this special the magical thing called the um the Bodhi. The Bodhi. Yes. The Bodhi. Yes. So in the future where there's no water, uh, again, of, no water of, is a theme. A group yep. of plucky orphan roller skaters defy the authorities by playing a roller skating field hockey game using a glowing orb from another galaxy. Or it might be God. It might be God, maybe, but the thing that's sort of most shocking about well, 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 no, no, I don't, Scott. I need to correct you. I don't think that they were using um, roller skates. I think they were rollerblading because oh, rollerblading okay. just started to become popular. So, yes. so you're right. oh, you're yeah. But let me just just take a moment talk about the fucking cast on this film. All right, it is an abysmally bad film. It is abysmally bad. Um, and the idea that somebody like in a in a in a in a room in a movie studio said, "Hey, you know what's cool? Road Warrior and Post Apocalypse and roller skating. We should find a way to get these two tastes together." So these wacky kids. I mean, the this film could only have been created by a committee, right? It, you know, there's no way that this is one man's vision of of the future because it's just such a kludge, and it's got Richard Jordan. In it as the main bad guy, and he's he's Francis Seven from Logan's Run, right? Oh. Richard Jordan. But the other cast members are Jamie Gertz and Jason Patrick, who are gonna turn up in uh, uh, the Lost Boys, right? They're gonna be in that movie just a couple years later. Fucking Lucas Haas is in it, looking like basically a, a preemie. I mean, that's what Lucas Haas looks like when he's a kid. Um, James LaGrosse, who uh, was in uh, Phantasm 2, played the, you know, they took the main character out of uh, Phantasm 2 and they put the, you know, the, the, the actor out and took James LaGrosse and had him play the kid who, uh, who's, how, who, who's, you know, from the first movie and they kept Reggie around. There's well, they a kept Reggie because he played a good game. Yeah, he did. Um, they, they, this film's got Peter Deloise in it. It's got Charles Durning. It's got Sarah Douglas, who was the villain from uh, the second Conan film. She's the evil queen in the second Conan film, Conan the Destroyer. She's the one of the three supervillains who fights Superman in Superman 2, along with uh, Terrence Stamp, you know, General Zod. Um, and it's got Adrian Pasdar. Now... Who was in things like um, Heroes and Prophet and uh, what was the other thing he was in? Uh, Near Dark. He's the sort of the main protagonist in Near Dark. There's all these people in it who are like you know going to go on and actually have careers, and it's 
fucking amazing they made it out of this movie alive. It is. This is the kind of thing that could just, you know, bury a person. You never hear, you know, that's, well, that's the last time we ever heard of Jason Patrick. Poof, you know, we won't be seeing him again after this piece. We know who didn't get work after that movie was the uh, robot Lodak. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, this movie had a robot named Lodak that was like this thing that's supposed to analyze the body. Like, that animatronic robot is so complicated, I am shocked that it didn't get rented out to other production companies and show <laughs> up in other films throughout the 80s, like Robbie, like Robbie the Robot. Yeah, it would be, the, be the modern equivalent of Robbie the Robot. Oh, God. Yeah. So, do not, under any circumstances, watch even two minutes of Solar Babies, if you can possibly help you know what I do like, though, that commandant who has that, like, that uniform made out of, like, corrugated plastic? Oh, yeah, it's like, he looks like, uh, he, the only person who's got a worse uniform is Raul Julia in Street Fighter. Oh. You know? Well, you, you know what the sad thing about Solar Babies is? Or I've seen know. it seven times. Oh, no, 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 what's sad about it for me is that I actually saw it in the theaters. Oh! I didn't. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Did you leave the puddle of blood? Commercials were deceptive. First of all, the title. What? 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 You know, I almost want to go back and look at a trailer for Solar Babies on YouTube, just to rub your nose in it and go, "This? How did this deceive you?" Dude, it's it was the eighties. We like me and my friends. We went to the movies every single weekend, yeah. sometimes both nights, and saw anything new that came out. Because there was nothing on YouTube, we checked. Yeah, there was. There, yeah, there was no YouTube back then. So exactly. Oh, you know what I just, just what I just noticed. Uh, I completely missed this. Uh, Solar Babies was made by Mel Brooks's production company. Get out. Yeah, Brooks Films. So we 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 have this and fucking Spaceballs. Yep. Man, I I that that's too good for him. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, death is too good for him. Jesus, I, I know he earned a lot of he, he earns a lot of slack with Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein, but holy shit! Wow. That's not. Then he and then he made and then he made Max Brooks, which eternally pisses off Jared. So it's like <laughs> that's three strikes right there. Please, please don't mention that name. <laughs> the M word. All right. Um. There's so much more crap. I think we're going to have to sort of... We, we, we'll, we'll, to, down the road, we'll have to be... Down the road, we could probably do another episode of this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to throw out... There's, I got three films to quickly throw out, and then I'm done. What do you guys got? I got two more, then I'll be done. Well, right, Bill, what do you got? Well, there's one I want to just get out right now. Surf Nazis Must Die. Thank you. Yes. I, I was contemplating mentioning that one. Thank you, Will, yeah. for doing that. Yeah, it's wow. it's a contained apocalypse because they never really say whether it's the whole world is affected, but a massive seismic event turns California into one jacket beach, and neo-Nazi surfers take over the beach, and uh, and uh, and a black uh, iron rig worker or oil rig worker as one of the first people they kill. Uh, so his mother, who I believe is only ever referred to in the film as Leroy's mama, goes yeah. on a one woman. <laughs> revenge spree to take down the surf Nazi And it's not like she's Pam Greer. It's not like they literally got this kind of dowdy, fat, you know, 
uh, middle-aged woman, like 50-ish, you know, woman, uh, who then proceeds to shoot and kill and run over with a speedboat a lot of Nazis. A lot of surf Nazis. Surf Nazis, yeah. And, of course, that film was brought to us by our friends at Troma. Yeah. Who else? Yeah, now, the class of Newcomb High wasn't post-apocalypse, right? I know I've no, seen no, it. No. I don't remember it being post-apocalypse. Um, I will throw out uh, things for people to look up. Raiders of the Sun and Land of Doom. Both of these are post-apocalyptic films made in the 80s, made in the Philippines. And so there's this weird thing where apparently in the post-apocalyptic futures, there's just a whole bunch of Tagalog guys running around for whatever reason. And they shot a lot of it in the ruins of the U.S. fortifications in and around Manila, left over from World War II. Um, those are pretty spectacular in their in their worthlessness and their, their cheapness. Those are... Uh, what else you got, Mr. Wallace? Uh, well, not that I've seen it, but I just know it's... Uh, hold on a second, let me... Uh, adjust my... Hold on. I'm trying to... Uh, are you trying to touch bit, a little screen? Well, no, I'm trying to uh, get to... It, like, autofocuses, and sometimes it gets completely out of focus. Ah, oh, there you go, thank you. It... Um, Oh, I'm surprised nobody's mentioned uh, the new barbarians. Oh, 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 oh yeah! Uh, please, sir. I think I blocked that out. Regalus. Oh, and I don't really—I don't know much about it except for like the trailer and you know, people in you know, le leather fetish gear and bows and arrows. That's about all I can tell okay. you about that film. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's my that's that, I, I, you see it on the shelf. At Scarecrow video, and you just go right past it. Oh, you you just you completely uh, you completely uh, pass it. My last two films I want I want to mention are two ones that are bad films, but they're but they're guilty pleasures. Okay, so mm -hmm. without without uh, further ado, my last two films, guilty pleasures. Again, um, we have a film here. Guilty. Guilty. With, guilty. Uh, with uh, everybody's everybody's favorite uh, late '80s, early '90s action star Van Damme. Can we guess what the film is? Oh, Cyborg! Oh. Yes. Wow. Um, I love I love I love me some Cyborg. Okay. Speaking of, of things being wrong with people's heads, doesn't the villain in that have something wrong with his fucking head too? Well, isn't, he um, like, isn't he like? What's his name with the giant catcher's mitt for a face? This has got Robert Zadar. And, yeah. like, and, and his chain, he's got like a chainmail vest on and his glasses. All I know is he's got. I love it in the opening sequence of the movie. There's a voiceover and it's him talking because he's you know, the main uh, bad guy. All I know is I love I love his line because he's talking about the world and how they try to restore it. And he goes, "Restore it? Why? I like the death." I like the misery. I like this world. <laughs> yeah. He really does scream it like that in the beginning. Uh, I think br briefly that film is about um, there is a there the the bad guys are chasing down these uh, few people and a couple of them are is one of them's a, a cyborg uh, from the CDC in Atlanta. And apparently it was some kind of disease like wiped out people and they're trying to find a cure and apparently she has the information. So she has to get back to the CDC in Atlanta, Georgia, and she's up north. And eventually Van Damme comes along 
because he's uh, I forget what the fuck he's called. They call him. Um, it's like a what the hell is it called? Uh, somebody look it up. It's like a, a not sling blade. I keep on wanting to say sling blade. Wow. I, I, I keep on wanting to say, but it's but it's not called sling blade. Mm, French fried potatoes. No, it's not. It's not sling blade. It's some. It's something else. <laughs> I, I want it to be sling blade so bad. Um. Well, his fucking character's name is holy shit, Gibson Rickenbacker. <laughs> I, I love his cyberpunk popcorn. Holy shit, Gibson. Yeah. Uh, for, oh, wait, okay, here's a great name in the... There's uh, uh, Furman Vux. Oh, the bad guy is Brick Bardo, played by <laughs> Rolf Mueller. Uh, shit, uh, Rolf Mueller is some German bodybuilder who... Uh, has turned up now and again. He's just like the size of a... I think the last thing I saw him in was literally Gladiator. He was one of the guys in, in the film Gladiator. But holy shit. Uh, yeah, well, Rickenbacker. I'm trying, I'm trying to find what the frickin' um, the name uh, of the... F and this is this is a film by Albert Puyen, Puyen who yep. uh, is the man who brought us... Um, the Sword Sword and the Sorcerer, which, uh, which fucking killed a guy. That's a film with a body count. They killed a stuntman on that movie. Um, he, also, he also did... Um, um, uh, Alien from L.A. Uh, oh, Dollman. Dollman. Radioactive Dreams. Captain America. We should mention Radioactive Dreams, yes. because that's another post-apocalyptic film. Slinger. It, okay, it's not Slinger. 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 Uh, 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 Van Damme's character is considered a slinger, like a mercenary. And apparently that was the original title of the uh, film uh, was Slinger. So basically she hires him to get her down to Georgia. And of course he has some kind of, it's like a gun, but it's like it shoots uh, like bolts like a crossbow. It's, it's kind of... It's kind of weird. I was, I was so hoping it was going to shoot feet because it was Jean Claude. Just oh no! He, he, he uses his feet a lot in that. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of feet. There's a lot of uh, knife fighting and karate action. And there's a big giant uh, battle scene at the end. But yeah, it's 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 not a good film, folks. But I love it. I'm sorry. Yeah, so Cyborg Van Dam. Um, it's another guilty pleasure. And then there's my other guilty pleasure. Uh, can let's see here. Can we guess? I, I saw I saw Cyborg coming. I can't imagine. Is it Omega Doom with Rutger Hauer, also oh. directed by Albert Bean? Oh, I wish it was. No, oh, no, no, no. It's Blood of Heroes. <laughs> you know, speaking of Rutger Hauer. Nope. No, no, no. We've talked about this, Scott. It is. Oh, Defcon Four. Yeah, Defcon Four deserves mention as being one of the most unbelievably ruthless and awful post-apocalyptic films ever. And we're not just talking because because it's it's because it's brutal. It's brutally bad. It's you yeah. know this picture on the front really had nothing to do. There's with no it. connection between nope. the piece of art and they, anything. <laughs> they saw a cool science fiction poster and they decided that was going to be good because oh, there's no city there's no city see the city on the cover there's no city 
on the original piece of art. They, were just, they just fucking, you know, spray painted that in over the original well, art. Well, they, they think they bought it. They had them like kind of redo it for for uh, the film, but. Okay. Uh, yeah, so basically, yeah, it's kind of it, lo- it looks like it's like a, a a missile platform and a space and, a, and an astronaut. Basically, what it is is um, Earth has a nuclear war, and apparently, America has a orbiting nuclear platform. And apparently, the war happens, and they don't and they launch a couple of missiles. Uh, they're there for months. They're running out of food. They're running out of uh, power. Their de- orbit's decaying, so they got to get back to Earth. So they got to basically uh, eject. Uh, out, you know, with the with the ejection pod, and of course, um, you know, they're debating on whether they should have launched the rest of their missiles, you know, like to deploy the rest of them, and they're fighting about it. But then apparently, somebody hacks into the satellite system and brings down the the ship because somebody wanted the nuclear weapons. They crash on the beach, and there's some kind of local evil warlord that wants the nuclear warheads because what the fuck is he going to do with them? He doesn't have a missile system. He doesn't have anything <laughs> like that. He just wants them for power. So a lot of craziness ensues with that. Uh, they encounter this guy. This, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he basically... Maury, Maury Shaken. Thank you. He's, uh, he's a survivalist in a compound in a kilt. So he... Um, yeah, and he, and he has a and he has a uh, a uh, not a bull not a, a bulldozer. It's a bulldozer. Yeah, he has a bulldozer, armored bulldozer. He drives around. The astronauts are captured by the bad guys. They want them to give them the launch codes, and it just it just goes bad from there. It's a it's a bad bad film. But again, I saw this in the theaters when it came out originally. In um, of course, why do the DVDs never have the year of release on them? That really pisses I, me. I rented it from Mushroom Records right next to the Tulane University campus back in like 1986. Or... Yeah, it's it's it was it was like a it was like a late you know, mid 80s film, you know. And again, uh, 89 minutes of your time. Bad, bad film, but it's good. Another, another guilty pleasure. Again, that's why I have it on DVD because it it goes into the player every once in a while. Right. Oh, you know, I saw saw that. I I just noticed this, and I just happen to have this art book. So that cover illustration for the DVD case. Oh, you have uh, that art book. Yeah, this in Space Wreck. It appears to be plagiarized from this painting by uh, Angus McKee. I don't know if you guys yes! can see that. The same astronaut. It looks like they've just retouch the the crashed spaceship in the background to that death satellite. Uh, from from what I what I read on the internet, and you know, of course, if it's on the internet, it's true. Uh, that apparently that they liked it, and they think they paid him uh, for the art to read this, to redo it or something like that's like the, this is like the redone version for the film or something like. Well, if if he got paid, then then I withdraw my criticism. Yeah, exactly. Again, I, again that's what I think happened. That's what I read. Again. Is it, it's on the internet, so it must be true, right? Bill, have, yeah. you, got, have you got any more before I, I throw out my last two picks? Uh, just a uh, two Roger Corman movies. There's The Day the World Ended, which has the three-eyed mutant uh, and the old prospector who keeps calling his donkey Diabolo. For, wow. Like, the guy playing the prospector, his accent's just so overblown. Uh, the other one is the last movie that Roger Corman ever did for AIP uh, called Gas with four oh S's. Oh my god, yeah, it is post- I- I've seen it, and it's just it's just nonsense. It's just stream of consciousness on screen. 
Yeah, where this like nerve this nerve gas gets released accidentally that destroys everyone over the age of twenty five. <laughs> so it's all like hot rodding young punks. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I've seen gas a million years ago. Isn't um, isn't what's his name from uh, 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 Harold and Maude in it? Well, it's got uh, uh, George Armitage, Alex Wilson. I, I somehow have this recollection that the guy who played Harold in Harold and Maude um, was in it, but that's okay. Doesn't matter. Um, uh, why? Why does this one stand out for you as being particularly atrocious? Well, mainly, actually, it's mainly by reputation. Uh, I have never been able to track oh. down a copy. Uh, I, I know about it mainly because, I mean, this movie, it, I, I'm, a, I'm a B-movie sort of buff. Uh, this is just one of the ones that's escaped my eye, but it's apparently that um, Roger Corman had such a bad experience with AIP regarding this film. It's why it's the last movie he ever did with them. And, in fact, when they released it, they re The segment of broke up there again. Well, I don't know if it was just me or if it was. Uh... Oh, uh, well, I'm just saying that it, that it ended. It, it's you know notorious for Roger Corman fans because it ended his relationship with AIP. Uh, and apparently, uh, part of the reason it ended the relationship is that they wouldn't release his version of the movie. They recut it for release, including removing a whole section, which is like an action sequence that is narrated. And the movie just takes all of these kinds of surreal flights of fancy like that. Um, I, I have seen, I have not seen the whole thing. I have seen about thirty minutes of it before I gave up. Uh, uh, also, also uh, another another famous uh, Richard Cor uh, Roger Corman. Um, Wow, we're a lot of lag. Apparently, this is, this is going to be a bad episode about bad movies. Yeah, well, it's it's yeah, it's getting really choppy. I, I, you know what? I don't know, but maybe the audience is, are hearing you talk, but we're just not hearing each other when it chops up like that. So, okay. Well, let me uh, throw out the last two that I I want to throw out, and one of my and they're sort of guilty pleasures, and they're also clearly awful. Nineteen eighty one. The Six Million Dollar Man, The Penguin, and that kid from uh, uh, Mazes and Monsters. That's Tom right. Hanks? No, Christopher Makepeace from, from uh, what was it called, Meatballs and My Bodyguard. And he was one of the, he's not Tom Hanks in Mazes and Monsters. Chris Makepeace, uh, 1981, The Last Chase. Oh yes! Oh, with, how how can how can I have forgotten about with the last? Burgess Meredith, Lee Majors, Chris Makepeace. It's the future. There's been some sort of apocalypse. There's a plague apocalypse. Population's gone. Oil's gone. The mean, 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 terrible, mean government that now exists uh, may, won't let anyone drive race cars. Like that was what Lee Marvin, that's what Lee Majors did in his previous life. He's a race car driver, and the mean, mean government won't let you drive race cars, but wants you to go to orgies. 
That was one of my favorite parts of the movie, <laughs> showing how bad the future was. Everyone has to take public transport, and you can go to orgies anytime you want. And that's supposed to be really bad for Lee Marvin. So, sorry, Lee Majors. Lee Marvin? If Lee Marvin was in it, it would have been even more amazing. But they do this thing where, you know, he secretly reassembles his Porsche race car and escapes from oppressive East Coast totalitarian America and drives it with Christopher Makepeace, the plucky techno nerd, with him to escape from this, this Orwellian dystopia across an America that's essentially a post-apocalypse. Free Scott. Uh, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you broke up there. I said, and he's, he's trying to get out to the free state of California, correct? Yes, because California has broken away from the totalitarian. And at some point, they decide the way to stop Lee Majors in his car is to go get the penguin and his jet, because he's like the last living fighter pilot. Uh, and they scratch together this F 86 Saber jet and then proceed to. Hunt down Lee Major's Porsche, uh, you know, Formula race car, and uh, try and strafe him or bomb him or whatever. And I gotta admit, uh, the film is is as awful as you could possibly want it to be. Just just the whole politics of it, like the evil government doesn't want there to be emissions and doesn't want to use gas, and somehow that's a bad thing that we're being oppressed because there's no fuel left, and so cars are illegal. You know, like, somehow that's the evil future. You know? Is that inspired by the fuel shortage from the 70s? Yeah, I guess. I can yeah, well, well, yeah, if, it, if it came out in 81, and you know what I have to say about that film that always, because, again, this came out in 81. I saw it, and it when, I, when I started getting into the apocalyptic mode, it made me think about, you know, after the apocalypse, you know, because, you know, when there's EMP and there's no power, how do you get fuel? Because the fuel pumps don't work. He had the tube with the little hand pump that he had in the car to get, to get to get the fuel out of the gas tanks in the service stations. Like this long. Nice. So, and we all bottom. thought that was cool, except now we've learned that this film is 20 years later, and the fucking gas in those tanks will have turned in yep. 20 years. It'll be. You might as well put mule piss in your Formula One race car. Not that Formula One race cars run on regular gas anyways, but all right, just never mind that. There's one thing I will say about this film that, that kind of got me. It was kind of a guilty pleasure. And the one thing, it's like an hour and 45 minutes long. It's too long. It takes way too long for him to finally escape and get out on the road and driving. But this is 1981. There's no such thing as CGI. There's no, There's almost no special effects in this film that aren't, in-camera effects. So there's this one sequence where this F-86 Sabre jet, which I'm kind of a, I kind of like old cool airplanes, is trying to, you know, strafe him on the freeway and is flying over. And they're really, I mean, they're actually choreographing this. There is a jet shooting by at 400 miles an hour, you know, while at the same time the special effects team has to trigger the squibs for the, for the machine gun you know, hits while well, the car drives through and it blows up this, uh, you know, shoots this uh, gas station all to pieces as they're driving through all this, and they're actually doing it. I mean, you know, they actually shot that sequence, and I was kind of like, oh, you know, okay, that really looked good. There's a 
there's a thing in the middle of the film where the jet actually catches up and starts, you know, shooting the car and hunting the car. And some of those sequences really look good. They look a hell of a lot better if it hadn't been a real jet. You know what I mean? Interacting with the with the stunt guys who are on the ground at the same time. Um, and so I have a kind of a guilty pleasure about how good that looks. 30 years later, um, you know, it... Well, because it's, it's, it's a practical effect, so it's going it's to yeah. hold up. Um, so I, I kind of have a soft spot for it in that sense. But i got to point out, unbelievably, this piece of shit movie actually bred a copycat. Oh, no. Called... Firebird 2015, where once again gas is illegal and the cops drive around on fuel-efficient motorcycles gunning down motorists with shoot-to-kill orders because, you know, apparently driving your car is the most subversive thing you can do. And Firebird uh, 2015 has a number of awesome things about it that are just well, well, I'm sure. I'm sure all these movies were inspired by the uh, Rush song "Red Barchetta." So, yeah. <laughs> first of all, I got to point out that not only is Darren McGavin, yep, from Kolchak the Night Stalker, is the main character, but fucking Doug McClure. Oh, Doug McClure. Doug McClure is is in Firebird 2015. And perhaps the greatest part about it, there's a Firebird 2015 theme song that the opening secret, the opening credits has a country western song about the government taking your gas, but you can't stop the Firebird. And it's just the worst. Grown-ups sat down at keyboards and made this terrible piece of music. And we like, assume. Yeah, and we're like, well, do you think, uh, do you think that does that rhyme right? You know, maybe we should change the the rhyme to you know. To, uh, to something else other than, like, like um, White Wall. Maybe White Wall works better here. You know, it's like this terrible, terrible song, and uh, I, I do not recommend them in any circumstances you see Firebird 2015, uh, unless you want to see Darren McGavin wearing a crash helmet that Marcus driving around on an M1 tank. He's got this giant safety helmet, their lead actor. Just huge safety helmet because apparently Darren McGavin's like, no, I'm not getting in that fucking car. <laughs> it looks like it's gonna kill me. I, I demand a helmet, and it's he looks like one of the guys from Spaceballs. The helmet is so huge. Oh yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at the movie poster right now. A boy, a girl, a car. Only the car is forbidden. They fought with a passion for survival. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've got to see this. The last one I want to throw out um, is. Again, a terrible guilty pleasure, which you can see on uh, on uh, YouTube, is World Gone Wild from 1987. Gee, go figure, once again, the world is out of water. Again. And this film has all the fucking crap you'd expect from a movie ripping off Road Warrior. Um, it's got all that. It's, you know, oh, it's, it's basically... The Magnificent Seven, all right? But instead of a middle Mexican village, it's like the last place that has a well in it. You know, it's the only place that has water. So, uh, and instead of Eli Wallach and a gang of Mexican banditos, the bad guy is 
fucking 80s rock star Adam Ant. Nice. And, and his cult of Charlie Manson worshippers. Because there's this bit at the beginning, or, or midway through the film, where you finally see him brainwashing his followers and reading them to them from a book called The Wit and Wisdom of Charles Manson. <laughs> and he's got this, this, you know, cult of guys in white robes, like, I don't know, they look like altar boys or something in white robes and with machine guns that are mindless zombies serving the will of Adam Ant. And so the head of the village is played by Bruce Dern, of all people, playing this sort of hippie Obi-Wan Kenobi. And his, you know, female assistant is Catherine Mary Stewart from, uh, from uh, Night of the Comet. Does everyone remember Night of the Comet? The, the oh, yeah. Uh, well, the older sister of the brunette, that's Stuart. Um, and they go off to track down a team of mercenaries that will defend the town from, you know, Adam Ant. No. Well, that, that, that's, that's, a tall, that's a tall job right there. Yeah. And i got to point out that amongst this team of mercenaries, the first other guy they go get is Michael Perret. Because, you know, of course. Um, but the other guys they pick up are Julius Carey, who uh, you may remember from Briscoe County Jr., playing uh, Lord Bowler, the other, the other bounty hunter uh, from Briscoe County Jr. Uh, Alan Autry, who uh, uh, was on... Um, I mean, the guy's been in everything. He just plays your standard redneck. He was in... Uh, the one thing you might have seen was Southern Comfort. Oh, in yeah. the movie Southern Comfort, uh, he's the National Guardsman who goes bananas and paints the cross on his chest and sets fire to the supplies and burns up the cabin and eventually hangs himself, the, the football coach. Uh, but he plays a lot of rednecks, and he's playing a redneck in this. And finally, Anthony James is in it, uh, playing a character named uh, Ten Watt. Anthony James is the lead Ravager from the Ravagers and is uh, uh, Skinny, the bar, the bar owner in um, uh, Unforgiven, you know, just this incredibly emaciated, thin, you know, guy. And the film is terrible. There's, there's, there's no two ways about it. It's terrible. It's the Magnificent Seven, only water and post-apocalypse. And, 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 not, and not magnificent. No, it's not magnificent in any way, shape, or form. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's the Seven Samurai, you know, essentially. Because um, that, that's only been done to death. Uh, but I, I strangely, I still have a, a weird soft spot in my heart for this for this film. Um, and I'm not sure why. I mean, maybe it's because when Adam Ant first pulls up to the village, he arrives in a fucking helicopter uh -huh. that's broken. It's just being dragged around by a Bren gun carrier. <laughs> from World War II. It's just this fucking Kyle helicopter, this big 50s vintage with the props still on it, just being dragged around the desert like it's his majestic chariot, you know. Does he, but it doesn't it doesn't work. But, but, but when he pulls up, does he say stand and deliver? No, no, but he does say uh, my favorite line of the film, which is when um, uh, Alan Autry betrays his other fellow mercenaries and tries to change sides and goes and reports to Adam Ant and says, hey, I want to be on the winning side and fuck over my buddies. Uh, Adam Ant does offer one of my favorite po post-apocalyptic, you know, sort of 
a bits of, I guess you'd call it editorial advice, which is, you seriously fucked up, my friend. <laughs> and then they proceed to cut his balls off. So, <laughs> which was just the perfect reward for, you know, turning on his buddies is that, uh, is that geld him. And so, yeah, uh, it's it's an awful film, uh, but I can actually, th I actually would say it's worth looking at it so bad. Um, it it it's not six string samurai. It's never going to be that bad. It's good, but. It's still, for some reason, I, I, I enjoy it. It's it, as terrible as it is. Well, we, again, we, we, we don't need to justify uh, our uh, guilty pleasures because, well, my guilty pleasure is different than your guilty pleasure, which is different from Will's guilty pleasure, you know? So we all have whatever... Mostly, mostly we're guilty. Just mostly guilty, we're, guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> guilty. But uh, that being said, with this sound... That should have Andy Rooney's here. Oh. Yes, Andy Rooney's here. We are... You know what I hate? We are well, well, well out of time, but uh, but that's okay, because we had a good time. We had a good time talking to everybody. We had a good time talking about bad movies. And, and as we've learned today, that there are so many bad movies out there that we can't possibly contain it in one show. We will definitely come back to this topic in the future, because I'm Whether sure... Whether we like it or not. Whether yeah. we like it or not. We could definitely scrape up some more bad post-apocalyptic movies uh, because there's enough of them out there. But there'll probably be less guilty pleasures this time because we uh, we've probably, exhausted that. We've, yeah, so it's yeah. just going to be bad. It's just going to be the bad and the ugly for sure. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get this show wrapped up here. Let's give everybody for uh, everybody for doing such a good job today. Are, are, are you gonna Are you gonna play us out with Piano Cat? Are you gonna have? <laughs> no, I, dude, I, I only got what they got on the uh, uh, on the effect menu here. You know, I could uh, I could do. Uh, your Your project for next week is to acquire the sound uh, file for the fucking Death Machines from Death. Oh yes, yes. Oh. Oh uh, yeah, that that'll be good. So, uh, so that was bad movies. Folks, uh, so we talked about a lot of them. We had a lot of bad movies to uh, uh, talk about, and we'll probably talk about more uh, next show. What are we going to talk about? I don't know. We haven't talked about it yet. I, I had a yes. You're such an angel. Well, I had talked. He, he, he's the good. Uh, he is. He is, he is I, the I good. That makes you the bad. And hey, wait a minute. <laughs> that makes you the ugly, sir. Oh. Uh, I was I was thinking about because uh, it hit me when I was thinking about what to do next. Um, I was thinking about talking about everybody's favorite post-apocalyptic barbarian. Thundar? Thundar, the barbarian. Yeah, yeah. Ka-ching. Um, yes, and we should make sure to start. If, we, if we're going to do Thundar, we got to, we got to, because you've got the whole set, right? You've oh, got yeah, I got to do some, I got to do some, not that I haven't already binged the watch, and I didn't, in the past, and watched them in the 80s when they're, I'm going to need to binge watch again to keep it fresh in my mind. You know? Yeah, uh, and um, uh, make sure to link to that uh, that um, uh, Lords of Light documentary. Yeah, the Lords of Light documentary. That that is I uh, that is a uh, mark that is marked favorite on the YouTube channel for folks listening. So it's definitely up there. Have to watch uh, that again. So all right, I'll think I'm thinking about doing that next week. I think that'll be uh, a, a good topic for us to talk about because we've mentioned it enough times. And you know what else? Um, uh, if you want to slightly expand it, we can always hit on those one or two other 
post-apocalyptic futures where they mix swords and sorcery like Thundar does. I mean, Wizards is in there. It's kind Kill of... Raven. Well, what's that? Oh, Kill Raven. Uh, it was a Marvel comic book from the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, the premise was that the Martian invasion from War of the Worlds was just a scout party, and 100 years later, the full Martian invasion fleet shows up and takes over the world. So Earth is this blasted wasteland, and there's just like Martian slave pits where humans and mutants have been enslaved, and the main character is this escaped gladiator called Kill Raven, who, because he's lived among the Martians, knows their weaknesses. Is this Kirby? No, he had nothing to do with it, amazingly enough. Huh. Because I, I know there's a uh, there's a comic a Jack Kirby uh, a Command the Lost Boy. Uh, no, uh, there's a I ran across I found a map of it recently. There's like a big map of the future world, and it's all like you know Land of the Tiger Men. And, you That's know, uh, that is a uh, I think that is Kirby. Uh, well, not Kirby. Um, Kill Raven. No, uh, Will. What Command is it? Uh, Command Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Last Boy or whatever, uh, I can't remember. Yeah, okay, but it is Jack Kirby. That, that map in that comic was definitely Kirby, so Kill Raven ain't that. Okay. So, uh, possibly Thunder the Barbarian. So, anyway, so, all right, folks, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, we've talked a lot about po post-apocalyptic movies, uh, the bad ones, so uh, thank uh, everybody for being here. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Will, for joining us again. Thank you, thank everybody. You. Thank you, uh, everybody, for... Uh, putting up us uh, with us for yet again for a uh, another week of uh, post-apocalyptic movies uh, or post-apocalyptic subject matter. I don't know, I'm, I'm talking of everything. Post-apocalyptic everything. Everything. I'm I'm tired. I'm not, as as I'm, I'm still not, folks, because uh, last week we had to cancel because I was really not feeling well and I'm still not feeling great. So it's. Time to it's time to go to bed. It's almost uh, eleven o'clock here on the on the East Coast. So, all right. So this is Jared Wallace, uh, Apocalypse Nerd. This is Adam Bomb Glancy, William T. Thrasher saying thank you and good night.